When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and I am joined by Paul Bramson. Paul, welcome to the show. Bridget, thank you for having me. Paul is a questioning genius. Well, he's a genius at a lot of things, and we'll <laughs> get into that later. I, I, I've been called the Riddler. Okay, we'll roll with that. <laughs> I've been called the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> So one thing that really fascinates me about you is you know the art of asking fantastic questions, both in presentations and in life in general. Talk to us about the benefits of great questioning skills. Okay, so this is a very comprehensive question, and I can go in a lot of directions. Let me give you the first to answer your first question, the benefits of asking effective questions, not the benefits of asking questions, effective questions is it shows people two things. You're present and then you're, and you're also engaged, which means that you are listening and you're hearing what someone's saying, whether it's impersonal or professional, that showing that you have that situational awareness or the presence is really the big benefit of asking effective questions. I like how you qualify that, where it's not just about asking questions, because you can ask some BS and that is not effective. <laughs> so I like how you made sure that you put a qualifier on that. It's about effective questions. Now, in your presentations, yeah. how do you work in effective questioning? Because I was sharing with you how it used to drive me insane when people would ask me about what are some activities, what are some exercises I can put into my presentations to create great engagement? And I'm like, pick any activity, but you need a great question as the basis of it. <laughs> okay, so I like how you, you've actually qualified something here. So I will do questions as it relates to presentations because there's questioning in sales, there's questions in leaderships, there's interview questions. It's just questions in general, but let's stick on the presentation type. Here's the first thing I tell people. If you are not gifted with the skill of asking questions or you haven't honed, refined, or polished that skill, I encourage you to put questions on your presentation. So if you're doing a PowerPoint presentation, you're showing a visual you want to get people engaged from the get-go, you should ask a rhetorical, which means they don't have to answer, or you can ask an engaging question where it becomes interactive. What the benefit of that is two things. It, it causes interaction with the audience, whether they have to think or answer. And number two, as a, as a presenter, it allows you to relax, calm down a little bit, gain your composure, 
So let's start to weave our golden thread some questions on your presentation, because once you're in it, I'm sure you can appreciate this, Bridget. Sometimes we forget. Oh, I should be asking a question here. Well, you don't want to forget? Put it in your presentation. That's what I would mm. do. So you talked about a rhetorical question. I mm. love those. Yeah. I'm about to give you a challenge, Paul. Oh, I love challenges. Yeah, well, something told Careful me that you, you, would have, you would have no issue with this. <laughs> I want you to share with us an example of a not so great question that someone might ask at the start of a presentation. And then how would you fix it so that maybe it's a not maybe, how would you fix it so that it's a rhetorical question that's more powerful? So or maybe you say just not so a, great. When you say not so great, I want to be clear about something. When you say not so great, you're talking about they just start with any type of question that right. that that falls flat. Yes. So you, so I don't particularly love the, why are we here? Do you know why we're here? And then, so, I mean, you can imagine that can go in so many different directions. Do you know why we're here? I don't love personally. What are your thoughts? Do you love that question? I agree. I don't like or love that question. I also don't like or love um, how many of you don't know me or something like that. I yeah, recently yeah, heard yeah. someone say some, along, something along those lines. Who who doesn't know me? And I'm thinking, huh? <laughs> Where's this going? So uh, now, so, to, so th this is a, this can get tricky. Well, I'll tell you a question I do like. Yes. So don't go, don't walk in. Why are we here? That's such a very standard contrite type of question that people are ready for. I like to ask things, how many of you actually woke up this morning and couldn't wait to talk about X, what we're going to talk about? And if you did, tell me why. I personally like that. What are your thoughts, Bridget? I like it because one, it creates excitement. How many of you woke yeah. up this morning and could not wait to talk about X? So right. it gets them thinking and That's feeling right. the way you need them to think and Good feel. Good voice could inflection, Bridget. Good voice what inflection. Was... Good oh. voice inflection. Thank you. <laughs> the second thing that I like about it, Paul, is it has them thinking about the topic you are about to cover because X is your topic, I'm assuming, that you're about to dive into. So it, it has them, their brains going in the direction that you it's need a guided, to go, It's a guided question. So listeners, do not ask a question to an individual unless it's a plant, meaning you let them know in advance. I'm going to repeat this. Adults do not like to be called on if it's unexpected. So if you're going to ask a question, don't do that. You, Over here, I think you can't. Well, you may not be able to see Bridget's response, but I think she agrees. I'm about to explode. Do not do that. And if you you haven't set them up for success, That's you right. haven't set them up for success when you ask certain kinds of questions. That That's right. well, those that require a response. Here's the other thing that I thought you were going to say, and I'll bet you'll agree with me. You want to ask questions that are always positioning you and your presentation as best as you can in a positive light. Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. You don't want to say no negative, no negative, uh, no negative. Right. And, and 
you almost want to be a lawyer when it comes to asking questions. Don't ask a question that you don't already know the answer to it. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but I will throw this in, Bridget, out of fairness to that. I like a thought-provoking question where there isn't a quick answer. So as long as, yeah, I always agree with the, the, the positive spin for sure, where, it, where it, it elicits a positive type of response. But I also like the thought-provoking. The too obvious may not be that engaging. And when it comes to a thought-provoking question, everyone, make sure you give time for people to actually think. That's right. <laughs> it's thought-provoking right. for a reason. Because, Paul, I know you've seen speakers do this, where they ask a question. It's not a closed-ended question. It's not one that requires a one- or two-word response. Right. I really need to sit here for a second and come up with my intelligent response. And you'll have speakers get impatient. No. They'll ask an answer. Oh, They'll ask an answer. That that happens. That <laughs> happens for sure. So I want to I want to repeat this. We should be as a helpful reminder because sometimes when you're in the flow of things, Bridget, and the adrenaline's flowing, and maybe you don't present as often as you'd like to or want to, put the questions where you can. They're easily accessible, so you don't forget. Exactly. Exactly. Can I disagree? Paul Bramson has been described as a powerhouse on keynote stages and in training arenas. He is distinguished as being one of the most effective speakers, trainers, and executive coaches in the world today. Keep going, Paul's Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> you like it? Am I laying it on? I don't hate it. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about that in a second, too, yeah. as soon as I finish. Paul is considered a global authority and thought leader in the areas of sales, leadership, communication, interviewing, and negotiation skills. He has more than 25 years of experience embodying the true gifts of a teacher able to accurately illuminate challenges while empowering all levels of professionals, leaders, and teams with next generation knowledge and skills. Paul's natural effectiveness to reach his audiences comes from the sincerity and tremendous passion he has for the messages he delivers and the individuals with whom he works. Now, you and I feel, it seems like you and I feel the same about these introductions and bios. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of them. And let me tell you what I do, Paul. I will give uh, my moderators or whomever, I'll give them like one or two sentences. <laughs> so are you going to ask me a question about this? <laughs> There's a re So if you're in Canada, I agree with you. Right. <laughs> Canadians don't like but when you're doing sales kickoffs, leadership kickoffs, you're in front of household brand name, people that have very high opinions of themselves as they should, it just lends to a credibility. Yeah, I know you get that. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, there are certain audiences where that is absolutely necessary. For Other sure. audiences. Especially when they're else. paying for it, Bridget. Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So with asking great questions or asking effective questions also comes the other part, which is listening. Yeah. What, <laughs> what causes people to fall short as great listeners? Oh, so do you have five hours to talk about this, Bridget? That I can do a helped. day's worth on this. So what people's listening skills 
are not honed. They're not refined. They're not polished. But out of fairness to them, they don't know what to do. And I'm talking about working with, I work with, we work with people that are, are our experience level, few years in the workforce. They haven't been trained, coached and trained appropriately. By the way, not only in the workforce, but in life. I mean, this happens in your personal lives too. People don't understand that listening is a science. There's a way to appropriately do it where you lock on to people, you're present, and you can hear every single word that somebody says and decipher from there how the conversation should go or will go because you're, you're listening so intently. It needs to be coached and trained. So you, people always say, why aren't people better listeners? They don't know how to do it. They literally, I could teach, I could teach somebody to do it in one hour. Now they still have to practice it. It's a life skill, but they're just not training coach appropriately, Bridget. I don't know. Let's see. Paul, what's one little something Oh, you want the secret sauce? Oh, you want the secret sauce? Yes, I'm getting free coaching, everybody out there. You want the secret sauce? (laughs) What's one practice that anyone can put in place right now to be a better listener? Okay, so let's, I'll give you this one. No invoice. Don't send me an invoice after this show. Oh, you're definitely getting an invoice. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, so what happens is in life, as you become, as you grow, evolve, evolve in quotes, and become more experienced, we start to filter. We start to listen. We, we, we think we're listening to things and, oh, I already know what Bridget means. Oh, when Bridget says, Paul, what, what would be a better question? And I say, well, it depends how you define better, Bridget. How do you define better? And I'll give you an answer. Most people would never do that. They would just jump into what they, dis, what they perceive as what better means. What I would tell you and tell the audience is stop filtering words you don't know from somebody else's perspective, not your own perspective. So when you and I have a conversation and I don't understand something from your perspective, what I should be doing is ask a clarifying question to better understand. So when I give an answer, it better resonates with you because it's what you mean, not what I mean. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Very hard skill, by the way. It's actually a very tough skill. You're taking us full circle. Am I right? So to be a better listener, you have to ask better questions that really get at the. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to challenge you on this, Bridget. You ready? Sure. You okay with being challenged? I'm good. with Watching your face when you say it. Okay, good. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Can you be an effective listener, but not ask good questions? Yes or no? Hmm. Yes and no. <laughs> that one. <laughs> so, it's, so you actually can be an effective listener, but not yeah. ask good questions because you don't know how to formulate questions. It's actually possible. It's possible. Yeah. You can be effective at listening, but not formulate good questions. Now, people won't know that you're actually good at listening, but you actually can hear what people say, believe it or not. Can you be effective at questioning, but not an effective listener? I think so, Yes. I think you can ask fantastic questions, effective questions. If you have a checklist, go ahead. If you you had a checklist, I agree with you. What, how would I ask, let me ask you a question. If I wasn't hearing what you were saying in a conversation, how could I possibly ask the next effective question? Now that I agree with you, you couldn't, but that wasn't your question. You just said, right. Can you ask 
effective questions and not be an effective listener. Like you said, yeah, if you have a checklist or if you have- Ah, uh, but you would right? perceive that. So because you're the moderator, I'm going to give you a check mark for that. But let me just say this. Let me say this. There's no way. First of all, you can be an effective listener, not an effective questioner. There's plenty of people who can do it. They just don't have to formulate questions. But to be an effective questioner in a conversation, I don't, by the yes. way, I don't care whether it's a presentation, sales, leadership, interviewing, you yes. have to listen to the next question to ask the next logical question. Fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down, and, without a doubt. By the way, that is a, you're welcome to the audience. That is the huge miss that people just, they filter through, they filter. I know what that means. I know what that means. Mm -hmm. And wait, wait, you know what it means for your perspective or somebody else's perspective? That's why you have to lock on. Exactly. Make no assumptions. Make That's no right. assumptions. Exactly Something right. that drives me insane, Paul, is when a speaker will ask a rhetorical question and will say something like, everybody knows what X is, right? Everybody <laughs> knows what, right? And it's like, there may be someone in that That's room right. who doesn't Every, know. They start using acronyms that nobody knows uh, what they're talking about. Alphabet soup. It drives me, <laughs> and although I get it, mm -hmm. because you know maybe you're in a room full of people who right. are all in the same industry, but you just don't make any assumptions. There may be newbies in the room. There may, so, yeah. Go ahead. I, let me piggyback on something. So I'm glad you keep bringing up the presenting. So for all the presenters out there, when I say presenters, you have to be a professional presenter. No, we're talking about people that. You communicate on a consistent basis. You may be in front of small groups, big groups, whatever it is. And by the way, we'll get into keynote speakers if you want soon. When you are in front of an audience and somebody asks you a question and you come back and you ask a really solid clarification question to be sure you are going to answer this correctly, that is when you present and communicate like a pro. And most people don't do this. They make, to your point, Bridget, they make assumptions. That's exactly what they're doing. So you're spot on on that. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Yes, I agree completely 100%. Good. That's good. <laughs> I could go on and on about that. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you think about your presentations and the types of presentations you deliver, Paul, mm -hmm. what are your favorite kinds of presentations to great deliver? Question. And tell us, oh. tell us the rationale behind that. That's a great question. So the bigger, the better in terms yes. of the audience. Let's start there. I love the big audiences. It's not that I don't like small audiences, but I love the big, do I you not like the bridge? Come on, Bridget. No, no, no. I'm on the same page. I mean, I, I had a client where they they were like, this is going to be a really big room and really, we're going to yeah. have the three jumbo screen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I would have said, you know what I would have said? Define big <laughs> is what I would have said. Yes, you That's would. a side note. That's a side note. So it's interesting. I am so passionate about leadership, sales, and communication. And as long as I have an audience it is our job as a speaker to get them to open up. And this is what happens. When you give me those three topics, I'm all in. And because you can talk about communication with all of those, those topics, and I'm real passionate about communication. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. So hopefully that answers your question. Now more than ever, tell us, tell us the reasoning behind that. So the so this is in full transparency. I my emotional intelligence at my age and my experience levels is has evolved. I now understand 
not that I didn't when I was in my 30s and 40s, but I understand the importance of communication now. But listen, throw let's throw COVID in here, the importance of being able to communicate both virtually and in person. People are like, oh, it's different. That's not different. You just have to learn to pivot. That's the difference. You have to learn to pivot to a little bit of the, 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 the environment. But I realize that communication is the essence of how you build relationships and how you connect with people, whether it's in leadership, employer to employee, whether it's salesperson to client, whether it's partners in life. So the emo- I'm, gonna, I'm going to um, hang my hat on the emotional intelligence. I still need a lot of work, but I'm working. That's to me, that's where it came apart. It came to fruition, I should say. We're all works in progress, Paul. We're all right there there with you. Okay, that's awesome. And I agree with you with when, when people would say, oh, it's so different. And having to communicate online is so different than I didn't get that mindset. It's a mindset. Uh, yeah, well, you're I, a strong I, communicator, Bridget. You don't think about that. You are, you know what it means to be authentic, whether it's virtually like we're doing right now, or whether it's face to face. That's the mindset. Mindset. I might agree with you. I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to think about one of your favorite presentations, Paul. Mm-hmm. What made it your favorite presentation? What happened? Was there an aha moment? Did you say something? You're talking about the favorite audience I've ever spoken to. What do you mean by that? You talk about the contents, a moment in a presentation. So maybe it was yeah, yeah. the audience. Maybe it was the topic. Maybe it was the city. Oh, I'm going to give it to you. I got moment. it. I know it. I already know it. I what was in Las it? Vegas. I was in Las Vegas. Okay. And I was speaking to, um, it wasn't a big room and there were breakouts. So that you've done this before where people go to breakout rooms and watch you present. You're one of the, uh, you're one of the professional speakers they brought in. And it was you couldn't you couldn't pack sardines in any tighter program after program and i'm like you know what the messages that i'm able to present and deliver are really having an impact on people by the way when i was younger and maybe you ran into this maybe not it was all about me being the center of attention and now it's really about being able to convey information so they get it so it impacts them both professionally and personally so i remember being in that room thinking well i need to be impacting thousands not just tens hundreds i wanted the big rooms where i can feed off of that and watch their eyes open up and their their faces smile and be like well this has just changed my life so i think about that scenario okay in vegas super large yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I feel you. I feel you on that. I, I'm, I can't say it enough. I'm right there with you when it comes to those larger. We have some similarities for sure. For I, sure. I, I just really like those larger presentations. It doesn't yeah. intimidate me. It's, um, it's unique. Think, it's unique. It's unique. And I sure. think you feel more impactful and more effective. I'm like you, I'll do smaller presentations. I've done them where there are you know, dozens in the room or hundreds. Sure, sure. But I feel like if in this same one hour, I can touch thousands. Yeah. I can make thousands of light bulbs go off. That's right. Sign me, sign me. Light bulbs, aha, impact, whatever word you want to use. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever. By the way, that's the fruits of our labor as a communicator and presenter. That should be the fruits of anyone's labor, by the way, when they're presenting. Make sure somebody gets something out of it. Right. 
Totally. Exactly. I've seen presenters where they make it the me show. Like you were saying, once upon a time, you focus more on yourself, but you've made that shift where it's not about you. It's more about what's the impact change. It's about them. Are they getting this information? Are they they digesting this information? Are they engaged the whole bit? That's what it's about. It's so not about. It's a skill though. That's a skill to your audience. It is. You can't just show up and be like, I think I can make this happen. You can, it's a skill you have to be aware of. And this is a skill and a craft that you hone over time. It is. It really takes time. It really takes practice. It really takes you objectively evaluating each performance and saying what worked well and what can I improve upon? Right back to the emotional intelligence. If you're able to reflect, be self-aware, Reflect. And also, by the way, you, you should have a, I'm very big on having a board of advisors or mentors that you respect that can give you valuable, positive and constructive feedback. So you can elevate your level, whatever that is, sales, leadership, communication, presenting, whatever that may be. Yeah, totally, totally. You will have an opportunity to ask me a question in a little bit. Mm-hmm. My next question for you is when you think about one of your first presentations versus one of your most recent presentations, what is the biggest difference between the two? You're talking about when I started presenting 25 years ago? Yes. (laughs) One (laughs) of your first presentations. (laughs) So so let me say something. So probably not unlike yourself, Bridget, There was an innate skill to communicate. I absolutely had an innate skill to communicate. The difference between young, much younger Paul versus where the difference between that presentation and this presentation is I am am unconsciously doing things that I had to pay much closer attention to when you're brand new. Managing an audience, being an expert on your content, being as interactive and engaging as possible, working. So this is the difference between when you're an amateur and a pro, Bridget. You're learning all of these things. And then when they come together, you start to hone them. So the biggest difference is I can do that on cruise control now. Cruise control. Then it was not cruise control. Then it was a bicycle with training wheels. Oh, yes. Same? Same? Same. With with a brake that didn't work. But you had innate skills. You did have it. Right. I, and I'm saying, not saying to your audience completely. who's listening right now. Yeah. Some of you don't have inherent innate skills to this. She's going to have to work a little harder. Not that we didn't work hard, but there's different degrees. And and I like how you said you just have to work a little bit harder at it. I, we have a nine-year-old son. My husband and I have a nine-year-old son. And we have to tell him all the time if he falls short with something, we have to point out to him, well, look, Parker, you are fantastic at math. You're an incredible uh, scribe. You are great at reading. You have speed like lightning on the football field. So, okay. Your, your hand-eye coordination when it comes to batting, not perfect. (laughs) Okay. Come on, Parker. Come on. When it comes to cleaning your room. Okay. Uh (laughs) You have to work a little harder at those too. So it's the same when it comes to speaking. Yes. Paul and I just happen to have head start, head start. Yep, exactly. That's and right. so, and, and, you know, same conversation goes for us. It goes for Parker. There are some things right. that I have to work a little right. harder at than right. maybe some other people don't. Okay. Paul, what is your question for me? 
when you take a look at um, all the podcasts you've done, and you think about all the additional information you've gleaned from all these different talented presenters you bring on the show, what stands out to you? What have you learned? I've learned that there is a common thread among all of them. A lot of them will say a lot of the same strategies, a lot of the same mm -hmm. techniques are what gets them to that successful status as an effective presenter. A lot of them talk about listening skills. A lot of them talk about asking great questions. A lot of them talk about telling stories. A lot of them talk about mm -hmm. reviewing and reflecting on their time on the stage and then constantly improving. A lot of them will say a lot of the same things, but just in a different way. So there are just these common foundational pieces to being a great speaker uh, that I'll, I'm going to say probably 90% of guests will share. So I, ha I have to ask a follow-up to this. Yes. What do you think is the difference between good slash effective versus great? Ooh. And by the way, this is not a fine line. There is a, it, you could almost argue a huge leap between those two thoughts wow oh whoa, that's a good one <laughs> wow yes wow and this is an important question because we throw around i throw around the words good effective great. oh hey really right? strong great job and, and do we really mean that It'd be great for them <laughs> good is you know you Good's did a good, good job you, you, you didn't pass out. You got through the whole hour. You know, it was a good yeah. job. You conveyed some information. Yeah. You, you did, you know, you did a good job. Yeah. You didn't, you, you didn't use a lot of filler words. You mm -hmm. had pretty good looking slides. Let's say you had a deck along with you. Were you were presentable. You were presentable. There we have it. You communicated well and you were presentable. You checked the box. You check the box. Effective. You, you got the job effective. done. Now, that's not great, done. by the way. That's not great, but that's good. That's good. You didn't go above and beyond. We're not going to talk about performance evaluations. That's a whole different subject matter, brother. Why are you getting started with that? Well, uh, since you threw it out there, I cannot look at the, the feedback if it's readily available to me right after my presentation. I cannot. I do not look uh, at it. I, do, I know, I, a lot I know of why, brother. I, I know why. I know a lot of speakers You're just built like I am. Cannot I am. wait. Tell me, tell me why you why do you think that that is for me? Oh, you're all about your brand, Bridget. Come on. Your brand. And by the way, you could have a thousands way to go, Bridget. And then one person who has no, I'll be nice, doesn't see it the way you do. No, <laughs> don't be it's nice. A crusher. Look, it's a no, crusher. Yeah, they have no clue. They have no clue. They're just a negative person. By the way, that'll kill you. That's why you don't do it. But at least you know your triggers. <laughs> Another thing on emotional intelligence. It's a good one. But I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Exactly. It'll. If you got nothing good to say. I'm not interested in hearing it. I just, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> did I just say that? You, but you can't see this. 
Bridget agrees with me. <laughs> it may uh, be months. Uh, hey, if you're, how about this, Brid? Bridget, when we first started doing this, by the way, it's not that I don't take constructive feedback to my close board of advisors. I will, because I want to be, I want to continue to be relevant and great, just like yourself. But the reason why we is, listen, when you do this enough and you have enough, enough success stories, you know when you hit, you hit a home run. But even then, somebody, sometimes people just like to, it's, by the way, it's, it's like social media. They'll say things in the high behind social media. <laughs> anyway, let's not go on. Let's not go off on that. You will have people in your audience, Paul, who will frown at the sight of rainbows, sunshine, flowers, and puppies. Here there we go again. People, That's what the way they think. Yeah. Some people, here's the thing. There are some people you just will not reach. Your message is not meant for everybody. When you get, when, when you, I don't mean you, Bridget, when you, the audience, get comfortable that you cannot make everyone not everyone thinks going to think you're a compelling communicator not everyone's going to you ask too many questions they'll pick they'll they'll, fi they'll find something so remember that when you're communicating that as long as you you know if you get the masses the majority where you're not offending people you're always appropriate let's keep those guardrails in of course uh feel happy with that exactly so with your question, what's the difference between effective slash great, uh, effective slash good versus great? Like you said, good is just you completed the assignment. Yeah. Got the job done. It's a C. Okay. You completed the assignment. Oh, I'll go B. Let's go B. B's good. Yeah. yeah fair good. enough. Fair enough. All yeah. Right. It's, it's a B. It's a B. Right. But great means you satisfied all the objectives. You thought about the audience. You uh, go ahead. So let me, excuse me, I actually want to chime on this because this yeah. is a, the difference for me, the difference between effective slash good to great is when you talk about communication and present, this is why I talk about this in sales. I talk about this with keynotes. When you are a person that can pivot words, behaviors to the audience, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about consistently pivots navigates foot on the gas foot off the gas and oh by the way and i'll throw something else out which is a huge differentiator and we're talking when you talk about exceptional is you can pivot subject matter which is very difficult to do it especially in a keynote when you're able to do all those things you're not the one trick pony don't get me started with this bridget's sitting down because she agrees with me on this you can't see that you have a lot of opinions if you can't tell. It, that to me is you're getting great and slash exceptional. And to me, you're a real pro. It's also the people that can get in front of a thousand people, 500 people, 300 people, 25 people, and look and sound authentic. That is, do I drop the mic now or later, Bridget? When do you want me to drop the mic? That's it right there. I could go off in hours about this. You can drop it now, later, and three weeks from now, Paul, because you are spot on, period. When you are able to do that ebb and flow, when you're Very able tough, to make Very it tough. a conversation, when you're able to take anything someone in the audience says and weave it into the presentation seamlessly and make it feel like it was designed intentionally, designed that way, that 
and out of the good zone <laughs> oh way out of the good zone and way out. you throw entertainment in there now we're talking now i want to say something there may be many of these listeners like wait wait i can't do any of that you don't have to do that you don't have but what what you have to do what you owe it to yourself and to your audience is be effective yes you have to be effective you're wasting people's time you're wasting your own time as well as their time so bridget and i could probably go off on just the exceptional, the great. We're talking about be effective, get the coaching, get the mentoring. Now, if you want to make a living out of this, we'll have a different discussion. Whole other, whole other conversation if sure. you want to become a professional speaker. But if you are getting in front of audiences, like, like Paul said, uh, understand when it's time to get the support and the professional, <laughs> the right. professionals in there. Paul, you have done all kinds of incredible Thank work. You. What I want listeners to make sure they do is visit your website, paulbramson.com. Check out what you specialize in, check out your expertise, and don't just check him out, but book him for your next keynote. He is a- I like Bridget. I like Bridget. A wizard <laughs> at communication, effective communication, leadership, sales. Get him on your next big stage with the biggest screens you've gotten. No, but seriously speaking, <laughs> check out the show notes, paulbramson.com. He is ready uh, to fire up your audience and really make a difference. Paul, what's one more thing listeners need to know to make sure they always get out there and own the microphone? Prepare. The prep, you, this is things that they, when I talk about preparation, prepare the right way. Practice this thing out loud. If it's not something that is rote or conditioned, you need to practice this thing out loud from beginning to end. Listen, when you and I first started, Bridget, we didn't have the tools to be able to do this. I mean, micro I mean, cameras, we had to rent a camera. If it was even a vent, I mean, thousands. You've got the iPhones, the Samsungs. What are you worried about? You need to prepare the right way. And I got to say something. If you want to be a PRO, if you want to be a pro, you need to make sure you have all of your quote-unquote important presentations down. Get in front of that camera. Give yourself feedback. Get somebody you trust feedback. And make sure that when you get in front of people, you are leaving a lasting positive impression. Period. Done. Paul Bramson, thank you so much for being on the show. Bridget, thank you for having me. It was fun. For sure. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. <laughs>